You're listening to Rosie on the House. Come on around back Arizona as we're waiting for ISA certified John Eisenhower to shimmy down out of the tree this morning. Get to a microphone, you can jump on the line. If you want to talk trees or have a tree question, one 767 4348 That's 1-888-ROSIE for you. Text questions, 411-923. Or you can send an email to info at rosieonthehouse.com. If you have a plant or insect identification you'd like a little help with, you can send it there and we'll do our best to get you the information you are looking for. Yeah, grab your pen and pencil today. we got lots of great resources you might want to take a note or two. I'm ready. Right. Pen? Right here? Paper? Paper. Right here? You're good to go. I'm ready. Yeah. Great day today. Beautiful June day in, in Phoenix, Arizona. Across the state, we uh, are talking trees, uh, all sorts of stuff to talk about. This time of year, everything's growing. So lots to do in terms of watering, staking, pruning, you name it. Now's the time to be getting out there and taking care of some of that work. Our tree of the month is a very favorite tree of mine, as they all are. <laughs> but this one is really a beautiful tree. It's a desert willow. It's a native tree in Arizona. I do have some favorites that are non-natives that are well adapted to this area. But the desert willow is one that grows across our state from about 1,000 feet up to about 5,000 feet. So you'll find it all over the central Arizona. Generally grows in ravines that have at least some seasonal rain. It does need a little bit of water. In fact, they they grow pretty uh, uh, regularly around all of our main waterways, like the Verde River Valley, Salt River. You'll see the desert willows uh, in a lot of, along those streams and rivers across the state. It's a it's a deciduous tree, so you do um, uh, they're really appropriate for planting on south and western exposures. If you want to have a little winter sunlight coming through, but you like a little screening in the in the in the summer and spring. Grows to about 15 feet in height. They can grow taller. Uh, they can grow t- sometimes 20, 30, 40 feet tall. In fact, there's a really amazing desert willow at one of our customers' homes, Chris Delatore. Yeah, he, he gave me permission to give his address because this tree is so impressive. I've never seen one this big. It's giant. It's about 50 feet tall and about 40 feet across. It's at 6320 East Crocus Drive. <laughs> I told you to get your pen and paper out today because this is an impressive tree worth seeing. We have, you know, some amazing trees across the valley. We call them kind of the great trees of Arizona. The Arizona Community Tree Council catalogs these trees. If you have a tree that you know of that's a particularly large, has some special qualities, uh, has, uh, has some historical significance, um, you know, contact the Arizona Community Tree Council. Let them know. Uh, if you'd like to put it on their list, uh, we occasionally have tree tours across Phoenix, and we uh, would love to include that in that uh, on that list of trees to come visit. Once again, that's 6320 East Crocus Drive. That's near uh, Thunderbird and 64th Street, and it's well worth going by. It's right in the front, uh, front yard, right on the curb, and it's massive. It's, uh, if you go by in April— You'll see it when it's in its full glory with that beautiful purple bloom. And this is probably the third or fourth time you've mentioned that tree. Not necessarily on the broadcast, but I've you've talked about that tree multiple times. I have, and, I've ne- and I finally got Chris's permission. <laughs> he said, yeah, you, for sure, go ahead, uh, because people can just drive by and enjoy this. It's it's an amazing specimen. They, I, I mentioned a purple bloom. Uh, they 
their different cultivars can have white bloom to pink. Pink is a normal color, but there's even a burgundy color now that, that's being cultivated. So if you go to the nurseries, you might want to ask if you want a white color, you want the uh, the purple. There's a, a whole um, variety of, of, of color choices, uh, but they're beautiful um, trees and have a, a pretty large bloom. So they're going to give you some dramatic, um, you know, color in your landscape in addition to the to the green, uh, the dark green leaf. Uh, it's called a desert willow. It's not really a true willow. It's not in the willow family, but it has a willow-like appearance. It has some large seed pods in the winter. It can look a little ghostly in the winter as it drops all of its leaves, um, but then it, it it perks back up in the spring again. Uh, beautiful tree, and one that you might want to put in those kind of spots where you 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 don't have a lot of room, but you you like a uh, to to fill a spot. They can they they're multi-trunked, so they generally are like a large shrub. Keep that in mind. If you're looking for a tree with more of a tree-like form that you can walk under, probably not the best tree because these, as I said, are multi-trunked and they sprout from the ground. So you know they'll continue to send up sprouts, and you can allow as many to grow as you want, and create a nice privacy screen, um, and and have a beautiful large shrub. You can start to trim them up from the bottom. Uh, but it does take a little bit of time to kind of train them up into a tree form. And they always want to go back to that. You've got to constantly keep them. Exactly. The sprouting is going to continue for the, you know, for the life of the, the, the tree. Uh, but that's that's the nature of some of these um, shrub-like trees. They A lot of our desert trees <laughs> do that. They sprout from the base. And you can just, uh, you know, again, train up those sprouts uh, to, to maintain as many as you want. This Arbor Day resource you handed me on it says the height range is 15 to 25 and you said this one on crocus is 50 50 yeah yeah 25 (laughs) is probably about a maximum height normally is that one trimmed up or is that one a multi-trunk it's trimmed up yeah in fact um it's big enough to to hang a swing in which chris is considering doing we're going to probably put in a little little swing by the way we we have some wonderful hardware that we use for for bracing trees that need some mechanical support. To uh, we put in cables and braces, according to the ANSI standards. There's um, uh, some really well designed systems that we use. Industry approved hardware that's galvanized materials. It's weather resistant. But anyway, you can use that material to hang uh, tire swings and and uh, do some really creative stuff. But it's it's the best way to to hang things from trees rather than wrapping the branches with a, a rope or something or a chain um, that can girdle the, the, the branch that you're attached to. We use this hardware and we drill through and put through rods and, uh, and eye bolts. And it's the least invasive method and the least harmful to the, to the tree. So if anybody's interested in doing that, give us a call. We can kind of custom design you something to help you get a tree swing installed. So drilling through the branch is healthier for the tree than tying something around it that yes. we cut off. Because all you're doing is you're wounding the tree at, at the point of entry where the drill goes through. And then the, the drill passes through mainly through heartwood, which is non-conductive tissue. And then it goes up Where through, the bugs live. Right. Then when it goes out, out of the branch, it again passes through a small amount of sapwood. And then you put a nut and a washer on the top. And then you hang that, that eye bolt will be on the bottom. And then you attach whatever it is you want, your cable, your rope, or your, your chain to that. And it's much less um, damaging to the to the plant. And then the tree can actually, over the years, it will put on new layers of wood and actually grow over the, the nut and washer, and it'll disappear inside the tree. 
So it's really a, a, the, the least invasive method of, of installing hardware in, in trees. And uh, good materials, too. We always use galvanized or stainless steel, so they're uh, really weather-resistant um, and last you a long, long time. That's our tree of the month, the Desert Willow. You can see pictures of it at rosieonthehouse.com. And our click on our calendar, and it'll, you'll see the link for the Desert Willow on the right-hand side in our tree of the month section. and Take you right to our resource page. What else do we have for our June to-dos? It's been a pretty nice June. Been yeah. a pretty nice year all year long. Not not a lot of 100-degree days so far. That was one of the one of those uh, beautiful Mays that uh, it, that we'll remember for a while. You know, we, um, yeah, the starting spring hit, of 19. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was beautiful. Yeah, now we're hitting the 100s, 105 degrees uh, later this, possibly even as early as tomorrow. So um, be... Be aware of, of the need to increase your irrigation. Um, as we've always warned on this program, more trees have probably been killed by overwatering than underwatering, or at least maybe an equal number, um, because people tend to want to compensate for what they anticipate to be hot weather and the needs for the plants to uh, to be using more more water. But we have a problem that that uh, is very common, and that is putting on more water than the plants need. Even though the soil surface may look dry, just an inch or two below that dry brick-like surface, the, our soil is holding that water quite effectively. We have a high clay content in our soil, and clay soil holds waters uh, very, very, very well. So if you just broke that soil surface um, with a with a shovel or a trowel, you'd you'd see that it's still wet and moist just below the surface. That water is made is is available to those tree roots days and weeks beyond what we might we might otherwise think. So be careful that you're not just dumping water on top of water on top of water. It can it that creates conditions for fungal pathogens to become active. It becomes anaerobic actually, and and there's no oxygen in the soil. It's saturated, and roots need oxygen to metabolize for cell metabolism to take place. So you don't want to just suffocate your roots by putting too much water on. And it's a lot easier to fix a tree that's lacking water by applying water than it is to fix a tree that's drowning from root saturation and the fungus. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's it's easier to revive a tree, of course, that's a little bit drought-stressed um, than to try to recover. Once once the, the root system has been waterlogged and, and those roots have begun to drown, uh, there's that, they're, that, that tissue's dead, and those roots will have to regenerate new roots. And then you just hope that the fungal pathogen hasn't raced through the root system and and done extensive damage that it you know that prevents a tree from recovering. You just kind of hold on. There was a tree that we had that we believe was overwatered that we looked at earlier this week, and we just gave the customer about a 50-50 chance of it surviving. We went and looked at it immediately. There was a mycelial spore mat, you know, of fungus that we could see around the base of the tree when we dug down with a small trowel. That's not a good sign. That means there's already been cambium damage. The fungus has already attacked the trunk tissue. And it's going to be a, a, um, a, just a waiting game now for the next few weeks. We asked, we, you know, of course, we shut the water off. The first thing to do if you think you might have overwatered a plant is shut the water off and let that soil profile dry out. Oxygen, you know, is uh, the best disinfectant at this point. You need to, you know, get some oxygen into the area, hopefully uh, in time for those roots to recover and and uh, and to put, you know, begin to uh uh, function properly, and then uh, wait and see. 
Trees can't speak, but John Eisenhower speaks their language. Talking Trees with Rosie on the House. If you've neglected any maintenance around your home, castle, or cabin, the grounds, the trees, the garden, the lawn, whatever the case may be, pretty sure I can say this is kind of like your last weekend. <laughs> to do it without uh, having to stop and jump in the pool or turn the lawn sprinklers on every five minutes to cool off. Yeah, those are those are some good methods. Yeah, for sure. I remember just yeah, my mom is cheap entertainment. Just put the sprinkler on out on the out on the lawn and let the kids run through it for a while. That'll keep them active for a couple hours. Yeah, no, I I was out you know, yesterday and and just. Uh, Got a lot done out in my garage, and I was just I was I was a whipped puppy when I came back again. It was <laughs> it was a, a long day, uh, but yeah, the uh, good the morning hours are your time to get out and try to beat the heat. You know, those first two or three hours, you know, on the weekend is is a, a great time to get out and get some of those those chores done in the yard. Uh, lots to uh, to talk about regarding preparing your trees for summer. I want to mention that that our website at itreeservice.com has some great articles. One called Preparing Your Trees for Summer and another general interest article that I wrote several years ago. I did a um a presentation for the Historical Society in Sunny Slope and I it's I just titled the article How Plants Survive in the Desert. Um we have some amazing plants in our desert which are unique um the they're referred to as xerophytes, that is, they're dry plants, plants that, that, that are adapted to um, very hot, dry temperatures or climates. And, uh, you know, Arizona hosts a, an amazing plant palette, and the plants are just so unique. They've got some of these crazy, in some cases, characteristics, qualities that are unique to this part of the, the world and other deserts as well. You know, one-third of the Earth's surface is is uh, covered by deserts. One-third. Yeah. Yeah, one-third. And the only plants that live there are xerophytes, ones that have somehow adapted to be able to be there. They usually have a low-compact growth habit. And, and that technical term again? Xerophyte. Xerophyte. Kind of like our xeriscape. Is a dry landscape. A xerophyte, fight meaning plant, zero meaning dry. Uh, Starts with the letter X. It does. Yes. Z E R O, fight, P H Y T E S. And xerophytes are just generally low compact plants. They, you know, are uh, exposed to the sun as little as possible. One of the means that they, uh, means by which they do that, is they either have small leaves. You notice our mesquites, Polyverdes, they they have these very small little leaflets. Smaller leaf surface is going to be giving off less water vapor. Uh, the leaves transpire and they give off water vapor as a byproduct of photosynthesis. Well, trees don't want to give up too much water, of course. They're very stingy. Our desert plants don't want to give up very much. And they do that by releasing the water vapor through the stomata. These stomates are these small openings, on, usually on the bottoms of the leaves, uh, from which water vapor uh, is released. Well, they, if, a, if the leaves are smaller, they're obviously going to have, have fewer stomates and will be releasing water more slowly. Other times, they have 
seasonal leaves. So if a tree doesn't have leaves on it at all, it's not going to be releasing as much water. Sometimes our trees lose their leaves. We uh, have a lot of our trees in the summer lose their leaves entirely. It's called a summer dormancy because, again, it's a water-saving method that the the plants are using to conserve water. We have a lot of calls that come in uh, every summer. Uh, People think their mesquite trees have died. And, it, and we always have to, you know, ask them, you know, go outside and, and scratch uh, the, the bark uh, out on the ends of one of those uh, mesquite branches. And if it's green, you know that the plant is just in a summer dormancy. And as soon as there is there available uh, rainfall, um, the tree will usually put on some leaves again. It'll happen sometimes periodically through the summer. You know, you get a, a nice bit of rain, the tree will put on leaves again. And then it'll, as soon as those water resources are depleted, the tree will drop leaves again. It's a defense mechanism so that the tree won't have to release water through photosynthesis. Sometimes our, our desert plants will have hairs on the leaves. You say, what does is, what is hairs on the leaves do to preserve water? Well, they actually pr- create a little bit of shade, and they reduce the wind across the surface of the leaf, which also helps to conserve um, their water, keeping them a little bit cooler than they would be normally. So, can you see these hairs, or are they like almost microscopic? You can sometimes see them, sometimes feel them. And if you did get a magnifying glass, of course, you'd see them more easily. But those little leaves on the on the leaf surface are are unique to our des- many of our desert plants. Another interesting um, uh, characteristic that some of our desert plants have is their anatomy itself. Yuccas have a these kind of funnel shaped leaves. When you think about that, when they're funnel-shaped and kind of curved, they have shade almost every hour of the day, even in full sun. Some part of the leaf will be shaded because that that sort of funnel-shaped leaf is is turned away from the sun, at at least in some angle. Also, our swore cactus have pleats, and other cacti have pleats. These and they serve the same purpose. Half this the the um, the uh, surface of the of the swore cactus is, is gathering sun. The other half of those pleated um, uh, portions of the cactus are in the shade. Really cool idea for a plant to be able to conserve that energy. When we get back, we got a number of questions we'll run through. Folks want to talk to our certified arborist and czar of xerophytes, John Eisenhower. <laughs> we'll get to your questions right after this. It's Rosie on the house. His bark and bite. They're about the same. Talking Trees with John Eisenhower. Rosie on the House. Beverly wrote in and was concerned that we don't mention mistletoe enough and the <laughs> destruction it can create on trees. It, it is pretty destructive, and it's carried, you know, it's a, it is a, a parasite. It's a parasite. An unwanted plant that in that it it feeds off of the vascular system of the host plant, generally transported into your trees by birds that have been feeding on the seeds uh, in other plants in the desert, and then the 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 seeds are sticky, so they get stuck to the feet, the bird's feet, and the bird's uh, beak, and then the bird flies, or it'll poop the seeds out, and they'll fall into the crotch of a of a, a tree that they're they're sitting in. And then it, that uh, little seed will grow and sprout and send its roots down into the, uh, through the uh, 
the bark of the host tree, and then it'll start feeding off the vascular system, the, the nourishment it receives from the host tree. And if you have a small outbreak or a little, you notice a little uh, uh, mistletoe in one of your trees, and it's out in near the edge and perimeter of the of the tree and some of the smaller branches. You can actually remove those branches and get rid of the mistletoe if, if you've caught it early enough. If it gets down into the har- larger diameter wood, of course, it's Im- you know impossible without destroying the tree to take it out. What we recommend is that there are some treatments, um, that some chemical treatments. Uh, to to at least suppress it and, and keep it from spreading. And also, um, you can just simply remove it. And if you want to try to remove it uh, at the best time of year, you'd want to try to get it before it, it blooms and goes to seed because it's those seeds that end up getting uh, allowing the birds to spread it around your, your neighborhood. So you can go in by, it's real easy to pull out. You just get some gloves on and just kind of, you know, pull it down. It's very weak wooded, and it's easy to, to, to pull and break off. So as long as it's not seeding, I don't have to worry about putting it in a plastic sack to keep it from spreading and populating. Yeah, there's other treatment methods. Some people kind of wrap the, the branches where the infection is on some of the um, lower parts of the tree in the, in the larger diameter wood, wrapping it with black plastic, and that will prevent sunlight from getting to it with the idea that you're going to kind of starve it. But you're also, you know, in some of the uh, smooth bark trees like Palo Verde, you'll also be starving the, the Palo Verde bark too, so you want to be a little bit careful to do that. might be better to wrap the plastic on like a mesquite or another tree that doesn't require, you know, doesn't photosynthesize through the bark. But, yeah, there are a few other methods, and as I said, there are some chemical treatments that, that are available too that are um, sort of effective. They are not a real cure-all um, for it, but they can uh, suppress the, uh, the the spread of the, the mistletoe in a, in a given tree. Now, I've got a potential stumper here for you. What tree would you recommend for Payson? that the elk won't eat? Gosh, I'm going to have to defer to an expert in that part of the state. I know that there are some nurseries and maybe some the agricultural extension office in your, your part of the state might have a better uh, answer to that question, or maybe, maybe even a local arborist, you know, call a certified arborist. If you, wherever you are in the state of Arizona, you if you're looking for a certified arborist near you, you can just look up treesaregood.org, treesaregood.org, and there's a, um, a button there that says find an arborist, and you just simply put in your zip code, and it will give you the arborist closest to you and a listing uh, radiating out from you uh, with several arborists in your area. Then you can just call, uh, pick up the phone, give them a call, and, and ask that same question. Plant Fair Nursery is in Star Valley, a little past Payson. Um, I will tell you the the correct answer to that. None. Mature. Mature. Okay. You've ones got can't reach. to find ones <laughs> they can't reach. <laughs> I know. Big. <laughs> well, we 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 have some some uh, small fruit trees, you know, up in uh, Pine, Arizona, near just seventeen miles past Payson, and the 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 deer and the and the elk will actually get up on the on the rear end of the other deer. Just put their feet up so they can they can browse at a little bit higher elevation. So they'll stand there, and it's kind of a team effort, you know. It's like you know what 
what's going on? I mean, you thought you know, you're up high enough so they can't reach them that high. Well, they'll, just, they'll the, the the elk will actually get up and put their fo- front hooves on the they back give them end a boost. of another one. Yeah, so they can reach up there and get a little bit higher. So yeah, those uh, fruit trees have survived, but they have no low branches on them. They're uh, you know they're you know about 25 feet tall and from about 15. All the the fruit is it from up between 15 and 20 feet up. But, mountain life. Most yeah. successful gardeners I've seen in mountain areas all have fences. Well, not not exactly. Um, <laughs> greenhouses. Wow. Which yeah. I guess you could say is you know yeah. they're fenced out, but <laughs> <laughs> it to be a good gardener, uh, one for the weather too, but second, the, the wildlife is sure. nearly impossible. A greenhouse at those higher elevations does extend your growing season by several months, both on fr- on the front end and the back end of winter. Yeah, exactly. And they may have figured out how to give each other a boost on a piggyback, but they still haven't figured out how to open a door. <laughs> <laughs> Just give them time. <laughs> uh, on our talking trees uh, to do, we've got uh, staking. We had a, somebody ask earlier about mesquite trees. You were talking about them, and they said, why are they a poor tree? Because you always see them blown over when the monsoons hit, and that's usually... Uh, it's not that the mesquites are poor, it's that we do a poor job planting and maintaining the mesquites out in their natural environment. You go to but mesquite wash up Beeline Highway, you know, there's hundreds of them there that are sure. huge. Yeah, and our native trees grow beautifully and, and safely through the monsoon because they're, they have lower branches and the wind can't get up underneath them. We, we often plant, you know, uh, our desert trees that normally grow like a large shrub in the desert, and we, we trim them up like a beach umbrella, and the wind can get underneath them and topple them over. So that is a, a problem. Until the trees are, are more mature and anchored in the soil, they are going to be vulnerable when wind can get under, underneath them. So you might need to put some stakes in place to kind of give them a little bit of uh, an assist as we're heading into the monsoon. Again, the, the article, uh, Preparing Trees for Summer, that's on our website at, website at itreeservice.com uh, is a good place to start because it talks about plant selection and, um, and planting, staking and guying, a little bit about irrigation, about good pruning practices, how wind works in trees, and, of course, uh, you know, providing mechanical support, uh, doing cabling and bracing. And, and even we actually ha- ha- install prop systems and prop systems are a metal, um, a metal system that's um, anchored in a concrete footing, uh, and, and provides a, a bit of a saddle to to go up underneath a long, extended limbs that have a long horizontal um, uh, growth direction. And we can actually put props under some of those, and we've done that successfully. We have a system that we've developed that's really, really an elegant system we can paint them to color match the bark of the trees so they're less obvious in the landscape again using galvanized materials that, that are really weather resistant and could last uh, several decades before they need attention that's another example as well as overwatering. we don't turn our irrigations off there's some trees you still need the irrigation on through the monsoons but if you've got a aggressive watering schedule on a mesquite where the water's already soaked, it makes sure. it that much easier to blow it over. <laughs> yeah, if we're into that monsoon cycle where we're getting several afternoon storms, you know, uh, it's time to go ahead and throw your irrigation timer onto the rain setting. That rain setting just temporarily interrupts the irrigation cycle 
Um, so it's just a simple click. On most timers, you'll see the little rain setting. Just flip it to rain. It, it, it doesn't change any of your settings. You don't, know, don't have to reset them. All you need to do when you come back to the timer, once we, the monsoons have sort of passed, then you can throw that uh, uh, switch back on. Just be sure you don't forget to turn it off when you leave on vacation, <laughs> <laughs> which many people have done. They leave it on rain. Oh, my gosh. But it's an easy thing. Just flip it back to the auto position. And it's uh, it'll it'll resume all the old settings. And if you're installing a new landscape irrigation system, there's an app for that. These irrigation controllers now you can control completely from your phone. Yeah, a lot of these smart devices allowing you to to do a lot of those fun, you know those home maintenance functions from your phone. Very very cool. Yeah, watering. Be sure that you uh, don't again don't overwater, especially if we have a, a monsoon that's heading our way. And we know there's going to be some high winds. Better to dry out that root zone a little bit, uh, so it's not waterlogged, and um, and that root system is you know would 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 uh, would completely fail. It's one thing to get a branch that fails, you know that's bad enough to lose a branch on a tree, but it's it's devastating, catastrophic when you have the entire root plate, the whole root system of the trees uh, fail, and that's quite often as you said because of 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 frequent irrigation around the base of the tree it's already loose in the soil due to the water and then the wind comes and it's not a good combination you've got an opportunity for more le- more learning <laughs> yeah we've got a bunch of classes coming up I've, i'm teaching two pruning classes at the desert botanical garden in july and august and i'm also teaching a class at the shade conference this year on sustainable pruning and uh, those are uh, the the two classes at the D- Desert Botanical Garden are two hour classes, uh, some hands on uh, kind of fun uh, coaching. The uh, the shade conference it's it's I'm going to be covering the same materials in my class. But if you're a landscape professional or an arborist, or if you're just an interested homeowner who wants to go a little bit deeper in your knowledge of of maintaining plants and want to be at a kind of uh, a world class sort of industry event. Uh, it's being held at the Desert Ridge um, Marriott um, in June. Uh, I'm sorry, in August 30th on Friday. It's an all-day uh, seminar, very well attended and very popular uh, in the horticulture industry here in Arizona. And if you're a, a motivated uh, enthusiast, uh, want to get a, a great day of education, attend the Shade Conference on uh, Friday, August 30th. And the, the two classes in, in uh, July and August are July 14th, which is a Sunday, I believe, and Saturday. July uh, 14th and August 31st. Yes, yeah, Sunday, July 14th, and Saturday, August 31st. That's the Desert Botanical Gardens. Yeah, that's at dbg.org if you want to register for that class, dbg.org for either of those two um, uh, summer classes, um, pruning classes uh, in July and August. Then the Shade Conference is put on by the Arizona Nursery Association. Yes. And that is that that's at Desert Ridge again? Mm-hmm. Desert Ridge, Marriott, yep. Don't be intimidated. <laughs> a lot of professionals there. There's going to be a lot of things that you're not going to, uh, you know, this class has so many hours for this certification and so many hours for that certification. But look up Don't the, even worry about any of that. Just go online and look up Shade Conference uh, 2019, and it, you can click and, and look through all the various classes. They have three different tracks on design elements, on trees. and I mean, they've just got a, a, a lot of choices, and it's a great educational day for 
um, uh, but I think there's, I, I just know that there's a lot of our listeners who would would love to attend that and could oh, benefit I, from it. I would I would steer them away from it if it was all technical. <laughs> it is so practical. It's one of those great uh, educational days when even homeowners would uh, just thoroughly enjoy it if you've got the day day to take off. I try and never miss it. And a lot of times because work, I can cover it. Uh, and attend it and yeah. not have to take a day off of work to yeah, be there. Yeah, it's always good to see you down there, too. It's great. It's a great day. Some grow nuts, some grow leaves. Either way you look at it, we're talking trees with John Eisenhower on Rosie on the House. Are you ready to talk about some pruning? Well, I... I was just getting ready to challenge Gary live. You got to challenge him live on the air. Mm-hmm. It's time for Gary. Challenge Gary live. <laughs> <laughs> so your promo, some grow trees, some grow nuts. Mm-hmm. Either way, we're talking trees, leaves. Yeah. Uh, you you got to work in a xerophyte. Well, that, uh, that's your new okay. keyword. Yeah. Get, your, get your pen out, and that's your assignment for the weekend. I was going to say, <laughs> next crossword puzzle I work, I'm sure xerophyte's ready. Somewhere in there. So, Okay. <laughs> Deal. <laughs> pruning. Well, yeah. You know, pruning is, is one of the most critical means, kind of a, a last line of defense. If you've done some staking, you've, you've got good uh, tree selection, uh, good location, uh, and good irrigation, you want to be sure that you're pruning your, your trees properly. There is a, a, a wrong idea that's very common that people have regarding the best way to prune your trees to to make them safer to get through the uh, through a windstorm. People commonly will remove a lot of the lower interior branches. They kind of strip out the inside of the trees, and they leave the outer third of the canopy sort of untouched. It's a it's an unacceptable pruning practice. It's called lion's tailing. And lion's tailing. Uh, uh, leaves that heavy concentration of foliage out on the end of the branch looking kind of like a lion's tail. And that lion tail of heavy foliage collects the wind. And it, the force of the wind is disproportionately concentrated in that lion tail, consequently putting a lot of pressure on the, the, the middle of the branch and often leading to branch failure because that, that big lion tail starts flagging in the wind now, if instead of stripping out all that lower foliage, if you had taken time to go out to the branch end and do some thinning out there, as well as some incremental pruning along the length of the entire branch, so the same percentage of foliage was on the tree, but not all concentrated out on the end. You can imagine if you took all that heavy concentration, all that heavy uh, concentration of foliage on the end and distributing it evenly along the entire length of the branch. The wind now is collected evenly along the entire length of the branch. And it, it, the force of the wind then is directed to the base of the branch where th- there's larger diameter and it can support that movement. That branch is going to always be safer. And as that wind's blowing and it's moving the tree, it's kind of like, you know, tree's way of pumping iron. It's, it's building its strength. That's right. And, and all those, those, um, those leaves, that leaf surface that's uh, along the entire length of the branch is also shading the branch from, and protecting it from sunburn. A lot of lion-tailed trees are subject to sunburn. Those lower parts of the tree are completely exposed and, and burn up 
We have bark that's peeling, and, and they have all sorts of problems. Then flat-headed borers get in, and then once the cambium is damaged, it also it restricts the flow of water and nutrients to the top of the tree, so you get even more thinning on the outside of the, of the tree out at the ends of the branches because the tree's not conducting the water as effectively as it was because you have its, these big sections of sunburned branch. So you then just you get setting the foliage. tree up for a big freshman roll off. Well, you, what what happens is then then you have even thin, more sunlight getting through because the 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 foliage is thinning out at the ends. So you have this vicious cycle of sunburn and 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 then you know uh, thinner foliage, then more sunburn, then thin, thinner foliage, and trees can sometimes not recover from that. So the moral of the story. Keep the branches on the inner kind of even. Distribute the weight. Distribute the shade. Yeah, and a little bit more exterior pruning to be done. It takes a little bit more time, a little more expertise to get out and do a little bit of thinning in that outer third of the canopy. It's not as easy to reach that section. the The bottom section of the tree is so much easier to reach, and so people just start trimming from the bottom and and pushing those that foliage to you know, further and further out. And the tree continues to grow, and it gets longer and leggier and longer and leggier. And those lion tails get even more exposed to the wind. So we want to avoid lion's tailing at all costs. And you'll learn that and a lot of other things at the upcoming pruning seminars that we'll talk about. But that's we focus on that quite quite closely and teach you how to make those proper pruning cuts and and uh, leave your trees looking not only uh, not only safer, but looking more more beautiful and natural. And I thought all this time, this lion's tail, because I'm looking at a picture of it, was something artistic. Well, that's just they, that's that's a good point, Gary. Because yeah. people often do this because they want to expose the branch architecture. It looks kind of cool yeah. to see all that exposed trunk, but you, and 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 you can do a little bit of that. You want to thin it out so you can at least appreciate the branch structure, but you don't want to take it to the extreme and start stripping it all the way out um, too far. Those classes again, Sunday, July fourteenth. 2 to 4 p.m. Now, that's indoors. Oh, yeah. It's at the Desert Botanical Garden, but yes. they've got an indoor— They have an education center where the classes are held, yeah, all indoors. And then August, Saturday, August 31st, again, 2 to 4 p.m., $38 for regular, $30 if you are a member of the Desert Botanical Garden. It's dbg.org. Yeah. Great. Uh, it's— if, if I don't say so myself, it's it's money well spent. It's a great <laughs> class. We I've been doing it for nine and, years now, and it's so much fun. It's just a great class, hands on. We actually let let people get involved in making the pruning decisions. We have some branches we bring into the class, and we just actually talk about the actual pruning cuts and uh, getting uh, up up close and, and and personal with the with the plants and trees. And if you've never been to the Desert Botanical Gardens, that's a great excuse to go there as you go. well. Even in the summertime, sure. it's you can't help but be impressed and inspired to do something at your <laughs> at your home <laughs> uh, for your landscape or garden. John Eisenhower, if somebody needs a certified arborist, you can reach him at itreeservice.com.